Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. No, I'm not a radio voice. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. I want to thank you folks who are listening to the program on the radio. Our ratings are massive. I'm not bragging. I'm thanking you. Just massive. On AM and FM and on the podcast. So I appreciate that. Uh, There was a ruling just now, about 10 minutes before I came on the air here, that a judge ruled that former White House Counsel McGahn must testify under subpoena. Now, don't freak out. This is a federal district court judge. It'll be appealed. But this judge is an Obama appointee. She's a radical leftist. And this is truly outrageous. A federal judge on Monday, the Hill newspaper, ruled that former White House Counsel Don McGahn must comply with the subpoena and testify to Congress delivering a significant win to House Democrats amid their impeachment inquiry into President Trump. The ruling from U.S. District Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, an Obama appointee, means that McGahn is obligated to comply. No, it means nothing, because there's going to be an appeal. With the House Judiciary Committee subpoena from April seeking to compel his testimony, it's the latest development in a series of court battles over separation of powers that have pit the Democratic-led House against the President. Now, this is what you need to understand. A president must be able to have legal advice. Must be able to have legal advice without Congress interfering. Whether it's an impeachment proceeding or any other proceeding. Otherwise, there's no balance of power because the House of Representatives unless there's a criminal investigation, is not subject to any subpoenas. They're not subject to FOIA because they don't apply to themselves. They have all the legal counsel they want, privileged. If a president can't turn to a lawyer for legal advice, then it's a disaster. I mean, does the judge think that the current White House counsel can be subpoenaed? Former White House counsel can be subpoenaed? Let me ask you a question. You're involved in a divorce or some kind of litigation, and the judge says, I want to question your lawyer. I'm going to subpoena you. We go, wait, wait, what are you talking about? There are rules of confidentiality and privilege and work product when it comes to the American legal system that predate the American legal system. It is crucially important. We have an attack on what I call the... the civil society that's been created through a thousand years of Western civilization. We're going backwards. You have a judge who's a radical leftist appointed by Obama, Kentanji Brown Jackson, who actually rules that the president's former lawyer can be subpoenaed by the House of Representatives. 
Now, I want to tell this judge something because obviously she's ignorant when it comes to true constitutional law. True constitutional law. Subpoenas weren't issued against presidents or his inner circle until the last several decades. For 180, 190 years, no such subpoenas were issued or they were extremely rare. So what she's doing is she's tilting the balance of power far away from the president to the Congress, changing the structure of our government and the ability of the chief executive to function, to function. There is a circle of advice that a president gets, an inner circle that should be unmolested by these subpoenas. She's a disgrace. She's a disgrace. I'm sure it'll be appealed because uh, the damage that's being done to the office of the presidency by these Democrats in the House and these Obama judges is incalculable. And it'll apply to them at some point. But damage it is, and it is big time damage. America didn't begin at 5.54 p.m. Eastern time when this judge's ruling became public. America didn't begin with this administration or this Congress. There are principles here that are crucial. And they're stomping all over them. This judge is tyrannical, and the tyrannical judiciary is back in a very aggressive way. A very aggressive way. This is what America would look like if the left controlled the courts, the House, the Senate, and the presidency. They control our school systems, both public and colleges and universities. They control the media. They control entertainment. It's appalling what they're doing to this country. So she's a disgrace, this uh, Katanji Brown Jackson. And when it comes to the Constitution and ignoramus, there she is on the bench. And she's been getting a lot of uh, a lot of matters thrown her way. And unfortunately, in the District of Columbia, you have a lot of these Obama leftists. A lot of them. Anyway, this is very interesting. The New Republic. No, not the New Republic as a rule. The New Republic is one of the earliest progressive rags that's out there. But I'm not talking about that. They have a story, the New Republic. They think they figured out who Anonymous is. And you know, I'm all for transparency. That's why we give the name of the phony whistleblower on this show all the time. Among the first to do so, weren't we, Mr. Producer? In fact, I think we were the first radio show to actually do it. And of course, we've invited their slip and fall ambulance chasing lawyers to come on and deny it. They haven't. We've invited the whistleblower, Eric uh, Chamarella, or whatever the hell his name is, to come on and deny it. He hasn't. Well, silence is golden, but not in this case. But back to Anonymous. All you suckers who bought this book out there. Could this be the guy who wrote Anonymous? Writes David Kusnet. Back in September 2018, an eternity ago in the Trump administration, a self-described senior official came forward with a counterintuitive but comforting message. Look, ignore this guy's sleaziness, the author. I'm just reading what he has here. In an op-ed in the New York Times, the anonymous author decried Trump's amorality his preference for autocrats and dictators, and his reckless decisions. But the good news was this. Many of the senior officials, I'm quoting, 
in his own administration are working diligently from within to frustrate parts of his agenda and his worst inclinations, quote unquote. Presenting him or herself as one of those adults in the room and pivoting off Trump's conspiratorial warnings about the operation of the deep state. You know, the hilarity there is the deep state, that is the administrative state, is really trying to destroy Trump. And then they call it a conspiratorial notion. It's not conspiratorial in the least. It's a fact. The author coined the phrase, the steady state. Its guardians were the unsung heroes thwarting Mr. Trump's more misguided impulses. Hmm. Now a little more than a year later, the senior official has written a book titled A Warning and bylined Anonymous. Interesting. The 2018 op-ed received respectful coverage, prompting speculation about the identities of the author and his or her allies. But the book has been overtaken by events, with witnesses testifying under oath in the House impeachment proceedings about presidential wrongdoings that a warning hints at hushed tones. Such books make headlines with their hitherto unreported anecdotes. In a warning by Anonymous, the reader learns of one crisis moment in which senior administration officials almost resigned together in a midnight self-massacre. So why didn't they? To call attention to Trump's misconduct. And another grim inside account. After judges overruled one of Trump's hardline anti-immigrant policies, the president exclaimed, let's get rid of the effing judges. What's more, Anonymous recounts, Trump pointed not only to send unauthorized migrants to a detention camp at Guantanamo, but also to designate them as enemy combatants, just like terrorists. Too bad Anonymous doesn't become known and makes those comments and defends them. We'll get to them. Keep coming. Keep listening. Instead of reassuring readers that moderate moles are secretly subverting Trump's extreme agenda, Anonymous now calls upon Americans, especially those who share his or her own classically conservative views to assume the responsibility as citizens and oust Trump from office, preferably by voting him out rather than impeaching him. I was wrong about the quiet resistance inside the Trump administration, Anonymous now admits. Unelected bureaucrats and cabinet appointees were never going to steer Donald Trump in the right direction in the long run or refine his management style. He is who he is. All of which takes us back. And he goes on and on and on. To be sure, any effort to reveal the identity of the author... Wait a minute, I missed the key part. Stick with me. It's a very long, monotonous piece. So I want to get to the gist of it. But now that a whistleblower's complaint... No, I'll go... In fact, neither the anonymous author nor the literary sleuth deserve condemnation. I suspect, based on my own close reading of the text, the author is an apolitical retired Navy commander who became chief speechwriter for former Defense Secretary James Mattis. If so, he behaved ethically when he wrote an unsigned op-ed and contracted to expand it into a book. No, he didn't. But let's continue. But now that a whistleblower's complaint has triggered impeachment hearings, and current and former diplomatic intelligence and military officials have testified publicly, anonymity deflects accountability. Because the book includes previously unpublished anecdotes about Trump's transgressions against constitutional governance and seemingly informed conclusions about his unfitness for office. Readers should know who wrote the book and why. My entry in the Guess Who Wrote It sweepstake 
is the former Pentagon aide Guy Snodgrass, he says, would know about many events described in the book. He would have honorable reasons to render his judgments and revealing the author to be an apolitical Navy officer, not a renegade Republican operative, would elevate the nature of his very serious concerns about Trump's fitness to hold the office of the presidency. Mr. Producer, see if you can track down Guy Snodgrass so we can give him an opportunity to speak because if it's not him, he should be free to say so. If he's hiding, then it makes me wonder. To be sure, any effort to reveal the identity of the author of a warning is serious business. But the last time policymakers and pundits speculated about an anonymous author was really a parlor game. Yes. Who is anonymous? They think they know now. Snodgrass. Guy Snodgrass. Having closely read a warning in the original op-ed, as well as holding the line, Snodgrass's recent memoir of two years with Mattis. I find my instincts tell me that the same person wrote both books. Why did I suspect Snodgrass enough to buy his book? First, a warning in the original op-ed both read like they were written by a speechwriter. They both feature short sentences and one-line paragraphs. The frequent use of alliteration and reversible raincoat constructions. Lincoln had a team of rivals. Trump has a rival of teams. The two texts also repeat the same words or phrases, but in different contexts. These texts all reflect a speechwriter's mandate of writing for the ear as well as the eye. Even more tellingly, Anonymous addresses speechwriter specialties, the process of briefing public officials on complex issues, and the impact of presidents' words on Americans' attitudes. While reverently describing a visit to the speechwriter's shrine, the shelves in the White House Library reserved for bound volumes of presidential papers. One of his original anecdotes would be especially appalling to a speechwriter. Trump apparently forbids staff to take notes at meetings with him. For linguistics mavens with a penchant for forensic analysis, the op-ed uses several words, including lodestar and not moored, that would be familiar to pilots with a literary bent. And Snodgrass shares the same literary agency, Javelin, with Anonymous. Hmm. Is it Guy Snodgrass? Guy Snodgrass, calling Guy Snodgrass. Commander, hello, come out from under the table. Guy Snodgrass. You're welcome to come on the Mark Levin Show. You can tell us whether you're anonymous or just Guy Snodgrass. So that's the name the New Republic believes through its author, former chief speechwriter General Mattis, Snodgrass. Guy Snodgrass. We'll try and get him on. Pass his prologue. He'll hide. All the tough guys ultimately hide. We'll do our best for God and country to expose these people. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. 
I've also talked about the great Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. He's one of the finest Americans I've ever known. And he explains that these four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, remain inseparable in the activity of education at Hillsdale College. He says, learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. Freedom is essential for learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat, so its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God because he is the first authority. Folks, if you've ever wondered why I love Hillsdale College, now you know. Visit hillsdale.edu, that's hillsdale.edu, for more information. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Remember, that's hillsdale.edu, hillsdale.edu. Well, Guy Snodgrass has tweeted. We just learned. He says, nope, not me. Looks like David Kusnit is one for two. That is outing another. Color me purple. Klein. On anonymous book authors. So Snodgrass affirmatively denies, says it's not him. Well, then. If I were... Snodgrass, I would definitely sue Snodgrass, the other guy. Wouldn't you, Mr. Producer? Can't have Snodgrass demeaning Snodgrass. I don't, I don't like any of this, to be perfectly honest with you. So no need to ask him on the program any further. Now, isn't it interesting, Mr. Producer, that the so-called whistleblower hasn't denied that he's the so-called whistleblower? Has he? Uh, no, no, he is not. Now, let me let me look this up. Bear with me. Uh, let's all sing show tunes just just for a moment. I'm uh, looking up his name. Mr. You see, Mr. Producer wrote it on a yellow stick and has it on his desk because he knows I'm not good at names. Eric, what's his name? There he is. Pa- Eric Caramella. Eric, C-I-A-R-A-M-E-L-L-A. Would you please come on the program? Mr. Mr. Uh, producer. How do we reach out to Eric Caramella and invite him on the program? Do we? Let's see if we can figure it out. Yeah, and reach out, touch someone. His lawyer, Mark Zaid, he's welcome to come on the program. You know, I saw a special. It was a really good show a couple of weeks ago called G.I. Jews. And it was about Jews in World War II. And Mark Zaid was in the program. Now, he didn't fight in World War II or anything. I want to tell you. Very quickly. Not spend too much time on how he got in the program. I'll be right back. Liberty and learning. In a healthy democracy, these two things are mutually supportive. In America today, however, that bond is broken. To help repair the breach, Hillsdale College has launched the Van Andel Graduate School of Government in the nation's capital. And unlike other graduate programs, Hillsdale teaches politics as a human activity oriented toward justice. A series of choices, guided in the best case by right principles, but made in ever-changing circumstances that require prudence to achieve the best attainable results. Hillsdale's curriculum combines the careful reading of primary sources and serious historical inquiry. Students learn how to apply the principles of free government and advance the cause of constitutionalism in the context of ever-changing circumstances. Hillsdale's new Van Andel School of Government is a program unlike any other in Washington, D.C., 
Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You watching what's going on in Hong Kong? The market's uh, 8,000 miles away. Really? The moon's far away, too. We, we have an obsession with the moon and Mars. They're very far away, aren't they, Mr. Producer? And you know what? The Civil War, the Revolutionary War, they're far away, too, way back when. The world only matters today, right? In our front yard. No, that's wrong. And so, uh, it's reported by NBC, pro-democracy forces swept Hong Kong District Council elections over the weekend. They won 90% of the vote. 90% of the vote. Boosting pressure on the city's Beijing-backed government to listen to protesters' demands for greater freedoms. And, uh... Xi issues stern response to landslide victory of Hong Kong pro-democracy forces. These are magnificent young people. They are courageous. They're trying to draw our attention to what's going on there. They wave American flags. They cite American founders. One thing I want to do briefly here that's not done is I want you to compare these young people who are really staring down tyranny some of whom are being killed, others of whom are being really abused and brutalized as they're taken into custody, and nobody knows where they are. Some of them are being shipped off to the mainland, and we know what will happen there. Now compare those young people and their colleges and universities to what's going on in our colleges and universities, where they're demanding tyranny, where they're demanding some form of fascism slash Marxism slash socialism. Where their great fan is, uh, or their fans of Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders <coughs> and radical nutjob kooks like that. The reason is they don't have to stare down tyranny. It's all in their head. It's all in their head. They don't have to fight for their liberty. Other people are fighting for their liberty. Other young men and women overseas and in uniform who are not going to college or are graduated colleges. And are pursuing other careers. But look at these young people in Hong Kong. They'll make you proud. And then on our campuses, the rise of anti-Semitism, the rise of anti-Americanism, the rise of socialism and Marxism. Socialism, Marxism, anti-Semitism. These are all ideologies of, of totalitarian thinking. And we're breeding it on our college campus. I can't tell you how many people come up to me when I see them, whether it's at a restaurant or people I even know. Their kids going to college. They're either really not political or they're pretty solid and they come out radicalized. So we are paying for our own demise, whether it's universities and colleges or whether it's open borders. We're paying for our own demise. And the progressives have control of the levers of government. And when you have a president like Trump who's trying to yank them back, they want to take them out. So does the uh, never-Trumper fifth-column crowd. Well, you know, uh, when I used to write these things in my think tank and for uh, this magazine and that magazine, you know, I... I was on the circuit and I uh, used to take, uh, you know, uh, different types of, uh, you know... 
these boats. I, I always like taking these cruises, you know. I, uh, I prefer uh, the Caribbean cruise myself and uh, take a 12-dayer over there and uh, bring the little woman or the little woman bring the big guy. And we just have a hell of a good time there. The food is free. The uh, people are lovely. I'm a big fish in a uh, very big boat. I want to remind you about Eric Caramella, and for the four billionth time, and you're my witness, America, I want to invite him and his lawyers on the program to do exactly what Guy Snodgrass just did. Right, Mr. Producer? He put out a tweet. It's not me. I'm not anonymous. This author's wrong. Just wrong. That's the way you deny something, ladies and gentlemen. All of a sudden, Mr. Zaid is not available. So Mr. Zaid's grandfather was a remarkable man. He was a rabbi. But he's a rabbi who'd go into the war zone and who would give great energy and peace to our troops. Jewish troops, of course, and others as well. <coughs> And uh, when they liberated one of the death camps, he did a service. Spectacular. And this is his grandson, this Mark Zaid, trying to take down the most pro-Israel president in American history. It's disgusting. Disgusting. He's no chip off the old block, I can tell you that. But his client, if these stories are true, As the liberal Democrat media like to say, if true, if true, Eric Caramella. Heavy.com has some facts for you. I believe this came out. It was updated uh, yesterday. Holy moly, they're on the job over there. Eric Camarella is a CIA analyst, former national security uh, staffer who has served in both the Obama and Trump administrations as a career intelligence officer. By the way, I think Anonymous is working in the NSC. That's my guess. Do I know? Of course not. Senator Rand Paul tweeted a link to an article by Real Clear Investigations. Actually, we did before him, but that's okay. The name Caramella is possibly being the whistleblower who came forward with concerns about President Trump's interactions with the president of Ukraine leading to an official impeachment inquiry. Is that what they're calling it now? I I I thought they were debating what they should call it there for a while. Caramella was named on social media in early October by Real Clear Investigations on October 30 after weeks of speculation about his identity. According to the conservative-leaning Real Clear Investigation, it's not conservative-leaning. It's a real news outlet. Caramella's name has been an open secret in Washington, D.C., His name has since been spread by conservative pundits on websites, including the Washington Examiner and the Federalist. Senator Paul called for the whistleblower to be subpoenaed to testify under oath. Oh, God, say it's not true. And so forth. Caramello's name appears in the transcript of a closed-door congressional session as part of the impeachment inquiry. The transcript of October 22 deposition of Bill Taylor, the top diplomat in Ukraine, was released by House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff on November 6th, and so forth. And his name was released by accident. Wow, are they smart. Let's see. 
Camarella could not be reached for comment by Heavy. The whistleblower's attorneys issued a statement saying they neither confirm nor deny he's the whistleblower. All right. What's that, Mr. Producer? We cannot, will not, and should not confirm or deny. How about, my God, he is not. He's not the guy. The whistleblower's attorneys and Democrats have fought to keep his identity concealed while Trump and his Republican have called for... It's always a game with the media. You have a right to confront your accuser. That's been the thinking since 1215. The Magna Carta. May I say that? I think I will. Uh, let's see here. Anyway, they have... Here's what you need to know about Eric Caramella. Number one. He is a Ukraine expert for the CIA whose background matches details about the whistleblower previously reported by the New York Times. Eric Camarella, 33, is a Ukraine expert and his background matches that as detailed in the New York Slimes and other media outlets about the whistleblower. According to the Times, he is a CIA officer who was detailed to work at the White House before returning to the CIA. They wrote, quote, his complaint suggested he was an analyst by training and made clear he was steeped in details of American foreign policy toward Europe, demonstrating a sophisticated understanding of Ukrainian politics and at least some knowledge of the law. He didn't write the complaint, you idiots. The whistleblower raised concerns that Trump asked Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, during a July 2019 phone call to investigate former vice president and current Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden and his son Hunter Biden. So who clued in? Mr. Terramella. Mr. Vidman was about to talk about somebody in intelligence who he spoke to, and he was cut off by Adam Schiff. Why was he cut off by Adam Schiff? Was he going to mention Mr. Terramella? Now, as a rational matter, how would Adam Schiff know to cut him off about Mr. Terramella if Adam Schiff is not lying through his teeth about the fact that he doesn't know who the whistleblower is? In fact, what if any Republican had mentioned Charmella's name? How can they be admonished? Because Mr. Schiff, theoretically, based on his own statements, wouldn't even know if it's accurate. Let's see here. Charmella has worked for the Central Intelligence Aid for several years, was assigned to the White House during the end, end of the Obama administration. We're closely with Biden in his role as an expert on Ukraine. Charmella also has ties to Sean Misko, a former NSC co-worker who now works for Representative Adam Schiff and the Intelligence Committee. Some people think that's who he met with. According to the New York Slimes, the whistleblower first went to a CIA lawyer and then to an unnamed Schiff aide before filing the whistleblower complaint. The aide told the whistleblower to follow the former process, but conveyed some of the information he learned from him to Schiff without revealing his name, the Times report. Now, just think about it. You are a former NSC official who knows Charmella. He's your friend. He comes to you, Charmella, at least theoretically. And uh, he says, look, I've got all this news about Trump in this phone call. Now, we're to believe that this aide to Schiff told Schiff about what was going on, but then didn't reveal the guy's name. Why? Why wouldn't he reveal the guy's name to his boss? Is his boss not reliable? Would his boss leak? It's a lie. Now, his ties to Democrats, including Biden, Schiff, former CIA director Brennan, former director of Intel, Clapper, former National Security Advisor Susan Rice, have created controversy. 
with Trump and Republicans, using his past work with him in an attempt to discredit him. Why isn't an attempt to discredit him if that's who he is? Why is an attempt to discredit him? See, this guy has to testify. Eric Charmella grew up in Connecticut, studied at Yale and Harvard, and worked at the World Bank, they write. Charmella was detailed to the National Security Council at the White House in 2015 after joining the CIA as an analyst focusing on Ukraine and Russia. Let's see here. Charmella is listed as the NSC director for Ukraine. That position is now held by Alexander Vindman. They held the same position. Charmella also has ties to former Democrat National Committee operative and opposition researcher Alexandra Chalupa. Now, Chalupa is not a dessert you get at Costco. That's her name. Alexandra Chalupa, a Ukrainian-American who's been targeted by some conservatives. What is with this piece? Targeted by some conservatives? I first learned of her name in Politico. Targeted by some leftist by the name of Kenneth Vogel. Charmella remained at the NSC during the earlier months of the Trump administration. And an email Charmella sent while he was still assigned to NSC was cited in the Mueller report. Charmella was the target of Trump supporters in 2017 when he's accused of leaking to the media because of his ties to Susan Rice and the Obama administration. Oh, they target him because he might be a leaker? It's a funny way to put it. They believe he leaked about other phone calls that took place, among other things. He met with Chalupa several times while he was in the White House. He's close, former NSC friends over on shift staff. He's tied to Biden and Brennan and Clapper and Rice. And did I say Biden? Biden and Biden. Why would anybody suspect Mr. Chairman if you are an innocent man or an innocent it? Mr. Chairman, if you are innocent Please come on my program. Speak to millions and millions of people. And scream into the microphone, I am an innocent man. Mr. Charamella's lawyers, particularly Mark's aide, if your client's not the whistleblower, please don't issue a weasel-worded statement. You're not a leftist on the Supreme Court. Speak in plain English, not penumbras and emanations. We're not interested in your latest Swalwell. Come to the microphone, counselor, and say that is not the whistleblower. He is not my client. Stop hiding. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty, with more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. 
And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers in Primus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Primus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. Oh, my goodness. Mr. Producer, somebody just sent me a photo I shouldn't even be looking at. Two beautiful things looking me in the eyes. You get my drift? Luscious. Beautiful. Glowing. Two pies that have already been made for Thanksgiving. My family cooks for days for Thanksgiving, Mr. Producer. Days. You want an apple pie, pecan pie, pecan pie, you want the uh, pumpkin pie, uh, you want the, the handmade whipped cream, you want the, what do you want on there? You want uh, the, the strawberries? Uh, we have three kinds of turkeys. Three kinds. Regular kind, which is what I eat. Kosher turkey? Did you know there's kosher turkeys, Mr. Producer? Interesting. And they're not from Israel. Uh, it's just the way they killed them. <laughs> Excuse me. Pass them on. And then the fryer turkey. Now, I happen to be very lucky because half of them like the dark meat. I like the white meat. So there's more for me, quite frankly. And then, of course, I'm lactose intolerant. So the poor family, all right, this is cheese over here and the lactose milk over here and this one. I think they sneak some real milk in every now and then. I can tell. I can tell. So it's a big event with our family. We all travel to New Jersey like it's Jerusalem, Mr. Producer. I go to New Jersey. Well, where's the Western Wall here? Oh, I'm in New Jersey. Never mind. Where's the highway? Did you know New Jersey's called the Garden State, Mr. Producer? Do you know it's the most dense state in the country? It's 33 and a third percent developed. It's the Garden State. Now, when you drive through South Jersey, you got the wonderful stands, tomatoes and this and that. Great. You don't find that in North Jersey. It's Taco Bell. It's, uh, you know, McDonald's and all the rest. Whatever. Anyway, can't wait for Thanksgiving. All right, we're just getting hot here. We're just rolling. Just rolling. Lots more to do. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker. Somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building. We've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Now we get endless discussion about this left-wing kook Obama judge's decision that destroys separation of power and the ability of a chief executive to function. 
I believe she'll be overturned by a circuit court, if not the Supreme Court. I think the case law is pretty evident, but the Supreme, but the Constitution's even clearer. But we have to talk about something, so let's talk about that. Oh, we're now, we're now, we're let's loop it in. Hey, hey, let's get our legal analysts in here. What do you think, uh, Judge? Uh, 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 well, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I think at least three counts. <laughs> anyway, where am I? Joe Biden. It's on CNN Friday, but he thought he was on MSNBC, I think. Anyway, I want you to listen to this carefully and see if you find the problem with it that's being ignored by everybody. Everybody. Cut five, go. What the Republicans do when it gets over to the Senate, where the actual trial begins, impeachment, indictment. That means an indictment. So I believe he should Excuse me, dummy. Impeachment is not an indictment. There's no grand jury, nothing of the sort. This is a complete railroad job. So don't call it an indictment. They're bringing their charges. They want you to think this is a legitimate criminal process. It's not. It has nothing to do with it. And it's illegitimate. Period. Go ahead. Each and have the Senate try whether or not they are high crimes and misdemeanors that would cause him to be thrown out of office. That's a decision for them to make. I hope they have the courage I hope they remember, this is a moment, a moment when their record is... You have a moment. We need a little too much pasta here. He has a moment. You can see his moment on his face right there, can't you, Mr. Producer? This is a moment. I have to go to the restroom. Go ahead. History is whether they played it by the rules. Now, let me ask you a question. We hear on and on the phony Democrat argument that the President of the United States in the phone call with the President of Ukraine was trying to get a foreign government to interfere with our election by going after Joe Biden, the would-be opponent, potentially, of the President. Correct, Mr. Producer? I have their propaganda down pretty straight. So what's this? Joe Biden would rather not run against Donald Trump. He doesn't want to run against Donald. Who would run against Donald Trump? You're going to be chewed up pretty good. And you're going to get whipped. So Joe Biden is encouraging the United States Senate to remove, should he be the nominee, his potential Republican opponent. Is he not? Now, why isn't this a big issue? Why don't people say, Joe, you really ought to shut up and stop talking. You know, this is uh, you're intimidating jurors. You're intimidating jurors. What do you think, uh, legal analyst? <laughs> well, I think that's right. I mean, no, it's Joe Biden. I think it's wrong, actually. Uh, what about that? I want you to listen carefully again. Is not Joe Biden trying to influence the senators, thereby trying to choose who he runs against? Because he wants Trump taken out. He says it's a moment. Now, for Joe, a moment's a big thing. Go ahead. What the Republicans do when it gets over to the Senate, where the actual trial begins, impeachment, indictment, that means an indictment. So I believe he should be impeached and have the Senate try whether or not they are high crimes and misdemeanors that would cause him to be thrown out of office. That's a decision for them to make. I hope they have the courage. I hope they remember this is a moment, 
a moment when their record is going down in history is whether they played it by the rules. Is he not trying to get the United States Senate to interfere with the election to take out his would-be opponent? This is what they do. Russia collusion, Trump, Russia collusion. Well, they're colluding with the Russians and trying to take Trump out. They have spies, they have all kinds of crap going on. 2016, they're colluding with the Ukrainians. Notice the media won't say, Ukrainian collusion, Ukrainian collusion. No, no, no. Because they know that exposes their party. But isn't this fascinating to you? So he, he is encouraging the use of the impeachment and trial process to select who his opponent would be. Is that not interfering with the election? Shouldn't he shut his big mouth for once? Let the system go as the system may. That Trump, he just tweets too much. I mean, that's... Look at that! He tweeted! Witness tampering! Extortion! Bribery! Treason! Oh, my God! What did he do? Witness A, nothing. Witness B, did he purge? No. Doesn't stop them from going on TV. That is, these, uh, these politicians. Anyway, I make the point that this is interference. This is interference. Now, I want you to listen to another rabid moron. Her name is Pramila Jayapal. If I mean it's pronounced, don't blame me. Her name is Pramila Jayapal. She's a congresswoman, apparently. It's almost hard to believe any idiot would say this. Listen to this. Cut four. Go. So if Democrats aren't waiting for the courts and there's clear stonewalling from the White House, which Democrats believe clearly is obstruction of justice, um, how is that not enough to proceed forward? Now, now notice. Notice this idiot. Brianna Keller or Kyler or whatever. Urging the Democrat congresswoman on. Excuse me. Congress Twix, is it? What is it now, Mr. Producer? Congress it? Congress X? Congress Minex? Anyway, urging her on, Brianna Kyler. Let's listen again. Go ahead. Well, I think that what you are seeing is exactly what you're saying. See, see? You're just doing great there, uh, journalist. What you're seeing is exactly what you say, eh? Stop with the tough questions. I mean, you're putting me on the spot here. Go ahead. Evidence is clear. It has been clear. Um, and now it has been corroborated in multiple devastating ways for the president. So we are not going to allow the president. What the hell is this nitwit talking about? You know, you're so right, Madam Journalist. Here, and the evidence is clear. It's been clear. It's been clear since before he got elected, you know. No, it's corroborated multiple times. We got clear evidence corroborated multiple times in devastating ways. What are you talking about? I don't know. I'm just glad they legalized pot. Go ahead. Use obstruction of justice and obstruction of Congress to stop us by saying, well, we need to call more witnesses. We have had so many witnesses. Listen to this, city. We've had all these witnesses here. Whistleblower, no. Hunter Biden, no. Joe Biden, don't you dare go there. Any of these witnesses, the Republicans, no, but we've had so many. We're getting bored, you know. You don't have to sit in the secret hearings like we do. They're so numerous and monotonous. We all agree with each other, you know. The Republicans are so sophomoric and childish. They want their own witnesses. They try and barge in here. <laughs> they actually think the president has rights. Come on, come on now. 
We just had a federal judge rule. The president has no rights. Wait till the next. No due process. Has to give up his taxes. Uh, has to give up one of his children. You know. Go ahead. Including the president of the United States. Ah, shut up, you idiot. And you are an idiot. Now let's continue, shall we? As we go through uh, the various events on Sunday that took place. Uh, we have uh, Mike Blumenthal. Did you know he's running for president? Has there ever been a more charismatic short guy? I, I don't think so. Uh, Bloomberg, what did I say? Oh, Blumenthal, right. I get confused with the mics. Bloomberg. This guy's such a genius. He outlaws 32-ounce drinking cups, doesn't he, Mr. Producer? Well, did he outlaw 16 cups? 16-ounce cups? No. Do you have two hands, Mr. Producer? So if you have 16 ounces in one hand and 16 ounces in another hand, what does that add up to? Hello, everybody. Hello here on the Mark Levin Math Hour. And meanwhile, this guy's an idiot. And he wants to run for president. I apologize for stop and frisk, which was really Rudy's idea and brought crime way down in New York. He's apologizing. And look, I apologize for that. I should never have done stop and frisk. Never. Should never have stopped, stop and frisk. You know, when Al Franken was stopping and frisking people, I thought that was kind of repulsive, actually. And Bill Clinton stopping and frisking people. But that's not the kind of stop and frisk that I actually meant. All right, I'll be right back. Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. You know, most of the programming on Sunday on cable is CNN and MSNBC is a real freak show. It's an absolute freak show. You've got people like this BS, Brian Helter-Skelter. Here of a woman by the name of Katie Hill. She's elected to the House of Representatives from a Republican area, a, a Trump area, Irvine, California. She's 32 years old. She was a Bernie Sanders supporter. And she goes into the house and absolutely disrespects the place. She has at least two affairs. And at one time, she's having uh, relations with both her husband and 
a female staffer. She's a walking freak show. She does not represent women. She does not represent most mothers in this country, most grandmothers in this country, most aunts in this country, most daughters in this country, most granddaughters in this country. She's a jackass, a leftist. She could not conduct herself properly, so she ditched her job rather than having a full investigation by the House Ethics Committee. Now they're holding her up like a martyr. People like Brian Stelter, who have no moral core. No moral core whatsoever. And here he is on CNN yesterday. I'm telling you, these Sunday shows are freak shows. Cut 12, go. So what happens after you resign from your congressional seat amid a revenge porn scandal? May I ask a serious question? When is he going to finish puberty, this guy? Is that a fair question, uh, Mr. Call Screener? When is he gonna? When is he gonna finish puberty? I mean, look, I have. We all know the most melodious and harmonious voice that there ever has been. I've been called the James Earl Jones of radio. Do you know that, Mister Producer? But Brian Stelter, he sounds like static on the old. Radio Shack transistor radios. Let's go let's go back to Brian. Cut Twab go. So what happens after you resign from your congressional seat amid a revenge porn scandal? Well for right, let's say that uh, up, up, up. you resign from your congressional seat amid a revenge porn scandal. Now as I understand a revenge porn scandal, it is somebody leaks photos of you, naked photos of you, like a, a husband, an ex husband. And that's a revenge porn scandal. And you're, that's a good defense? That it's a porn scandal? A revenge porn scandal? I have a suggestion. As beautiful as you may think your body is, don't take pictures. If you take pictures, don't share them. Sometimes marriages go south. Sometimes relationships go south. If you're 32 years old and a member of Congress, try to do the people's business rather than doing business with so many people. But listen to how, listen to how Prebu Bess and Brian Stelter frames this. Let's start from the top again. Go right ahead. So what happens after you resign from your congressional seat amid a revenge porn scandal? Well, former California Congresswoman Katie Hill is remaining very visible, and she's speaking out against what she calls right-wing media smears. Ah, okay, there you go. This is the media correspondent for CNN, Brian Stelter. So it's right-wing media smears. So the right-wing media did it. Well, you know that uh, right-wing media, yes, yes. Red State started, and then all the others picked it up. Opposition research. I don't understand. I don't understand. In other words, if you're not screwing around on government time with a government employee, and there was another allegation that she had another affair with another staffer, and that's when she resigned, why isn't left-wing media covering this? Why isn't left-wing media concerned about that? I mean, they're chasing... uh, Non-disclosure agreements all over the world. 
Trump did what? You got this guy, Adam Schiff, with these jokesters who are pretending to be Russian comedians, right? You have pictures of Trump naked, and you can see Schiff is salivating it. Where, where? I gotta go, I gotta go. Are those the ones on my computer? No, that's somebody else. Let me have a look. And by the way, Schiff looks... Well, he looks that way to me. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, let's hear prebubescent Brian Stelter. Go ahead. Hill resigned at the end of October after admitting she had an inappropriate relationship with a campaign staffer before coming into office. That's not why she resigned. There was going to be an ethics complaint, an ethics investigation. She didn't want this adjudicated through the ethics committee. She wanted it adjudicated by Brian Stelter. He's such a liar. Go ahead. The story came to light after a conservative blog called Red State released intimate... So it's Red State's fault she had an affair. It's Red State's fault she was going to be investigated by the Ethics Committee. It's Red State's fault that she had an affair with a staffer. It's Red State's fault. She had a threesome. It's Red State's fault there were photos. It's Red State's fault. Right-wing media. Maybe it's Trump. Maybe Trump had a role like Trump. And now... She's treated like an iconic woman. Now, first of all, Hill lied to get into office. She pretended to be a moderate. Then she votes for Pelosi to be speaker. And she's out there slamming away on the left. Then here we go ahead. ...with an unnamed female campaign staffer and made other allegations against her. Then the Daily Mail piled on with other photos as well. Wow, there were more photos, Mr. Producer? Where have I been? There were more photos. What do they call this? Reverse porn something or other? I don't remember. It's porn revenge. Reverse porn revenge? I'm so triggered by all this this stuff. It's just unbelievable. Is she LBGTQ plus? What is she? LB? She's definitely LB. LBG. What's G? Gay. LBG. If you're a lesbian, aren't you also gay? Why am I so behind the times? LGBTQ uh, could be Q, too. Uh, LBGQ, what's the T? No, I don't think she's transitioned. What's the plus? All right, I'll be right back. No, this Katie Hill. What if Katie Hill's name was Kenny Hill? And what if Kenny Hill was having these threesomes and various affairs and so forth, and then the ethics committee said, hey, uh, Kenny, come over here. We want to look into this. One of these people, they're your staffers and so forth. And Kenny quits. Would we ever hear of Kenny Hill again, Mr. Producer? Would Kenny Hill be the leader of the men's rights movement? Would people be saying this is reverse, reverse porn? What is it? Revenge porn with people? No, they'd say, what a sleazeball. What a sleazeball. You're supposed to be doing the people's business. Not getting in everybody else's business. You're getting paid a damn good salary. You just got elected. You're a freshman or a fresh woman or a fresh whatever. If it were Kenny Hill, but all of a sudden it's Katie Hill. So Katie Hill, and she's not going away quietly. Why not? She ought to shut the hell up. She disgraced herself and her family. 
No, 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 you don't understand. Revenge porn, whatever. Revenge what? I understand plenty. Pictures and video and good times and whatever. And she's married. Oh, that's uh, the ex-husband now. I don't care. You're elected to Congress. Act with some respect. Oh, who do you think? You're, you're not really up with the times. No, I'm not. And most people don't do what Katie Hill did and what a lot of these media guys. Isn't it funny the more you dig into the media how sleazier they are in every respect? This one's sleeping with that. Like, uh, whatever happened to Charlie Rose, Mr. Producer? Where is Chuck? We never hear from Chuck Rose anymore. He was on the morning show. He had his own show on uh, the uh, PBS, the pubic broadcasting system. Where's Matt Lauer these days? He has a button under his desk. Uh, come on in, uh, young lady. Uh, you an intern here? Hits the button, the door shuts. What a freak! Then you have this guy who's on the morning schmo. I forget his name. He believes in stop and frisk. But he's on the panel. What was that guy's name? Mark? Oh, Mark Halpern. I'm sorry, it'll never happen again. I'm sorry, pal, it did happen. He's not running out there saying, you know, this is uh, revenge porn. The revenge porn, they're after me, and uh, I speak for all men in this regard. I mean, the, uh, Charlie Rose, everybody wanted to be on the Charlie Rose. I never understood this guy. He looked like a freak to me. Didn't he, you, Rich? Seriously. Something about him wasn't right. And now Republicans and conservatives have a few of these people. Don't get me wrong. But it seems to be an epidemic on the left. Like this guy Weinstein. Or is it Weinstein? Big Hollywood mogul. The guy looks like he was a target practice with a BB gun. Doesn't he? He's a fat slob, greasy skin he looks like to me, hasn't showered in about 12 weeks. And uh, the women love him, apparently. They're they're all over. What is this? Oh, we got to start the Me Too movement over here. So we got the Me Too movement, and it's always with the left. It's always with the left. What if his name wasn't Weinstein? What What if his name was, what's his first name again? I forgot. Harvey. What if his name was Henrietta? What if it was Henrietta Weinstein? Would we still have a Me Too movement? Anyway, you know my movement is for these leftists, Mr. Producer? An FU movement. As chairman of Fatties United. All right, let's do this. Uh, Let's go to... Did you like Life, Liberty, and Levin last night? I'm trying to decide whether to go serious or not. I'm just being honest with you. People tell me they loved it. But then again, they're my relatives. Let's just listen to a little of it. Cut 13, go. What the Democrats are doing to this president has never been done to another president in American history. Two prior presidents who were actually impeached and found innocent. They never had to face this. The federal judges who were impeached, not all convicted, only eight of them convicted, 
were never treated like this. Now let's take a look at our, at our board here and just reacquaint ourselves with Western civilization. Due process since the Magna Carta of 1215 and thereafter. The right to confront your accuser. The right to cross-examine your accuser. The right to call witnesses. The right to cross-examine witnesses. The right to present evidence. The right to counsel. The right to a public trial. This is basic stuff. I hear people say, well, it's not a criminal trial. The Sixth Amendment doesn't apply. The Fourth and Fifth Amendment don't apply. I said due process since the Magna Carta and thereafter. Where do you think the framers of the Constitution got the idea for the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, and the Sixth Amendment? They didn't manufacture it. Hundreds of years of reformation, of civilization, of progress have been killed in the House Intelligence Committee by the Democrats. No president, in fact, nobody facing impeachment has ever in American history been treated this way. Now let's look at the impeachment clause. You have individuals quoting Gerald Ford for the impeachment standard who said anything the House says is impeachment is impeachment. That's a lie. The Constitution says what's impeachment. The president shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes or misdemeanors. Keep it there. Does it say Gerald Ford said? No. Does it say it's simply a political process? No. And they can cite Federalist 65 all they want. Hamilton doesn't say that either. The motivation may be political. The motivation may be mob-like. But it's not whatever the House of Representatives says. The Constitution doesn't give the House of Representatives illimitable power. It doesn't give any branch of government illimitable power. That's what it gives it. Treason, bribery, or other crimes and misdemeanors. Now, has the president committed, apart from all the static, all the bureaucrats, all the civil servants, all the never-Trumpers, all the Democrats, all the journalists and the phony legal analysts, has the president committed treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors? And let me tell you something else that's interesting. We have all these former federal prosecutors and judges commenting. When this language was written, there wasn't a federal criminal code. You don't go to the federal criminal code to look up bribery or misdemeanors. They were looking at English common law. They were looking at the practices of the parliament. And they borrowed language from them. This was considered a higher standard. When George Mason said maladministration, James Madison got up and said, no, maladministration, that means the president of the United States will be owned, owned by the House of Representatives, which is what the House of Representatives is saying today through the Democrats in this committee. We issue a subpoena, you damn well better abide by it. We want documents, you damn well better give it to us. We don't care about separation of powers. We don't care about checks and balances. We're the House of Representatives, and we Democrats, we control it. This doesn't matter. Separation of powers doesn't matter. Well, it damn well does matter. You know, I couldn't say that better myself, Mr. Producer. Cut 14, go. So we've established the president has not committed anything close to an impeachable offense. We'll underscore that a little later in the program. We've established that Obama was choking the Ukrainian government of the armaments that they needed, fighting off Congress in his own administration, no complaints in the State Department, no hearings by Adam Schiff and his party, uh, no demands for Obama's head, and uh, he was defying the will of Congress, no problem, while the Ukrainians were being killed. Remember, Russia invaded Ukraine on his watch. Now, 
It's funny how the transcript of the conversation between Zelensky and President Trump is rarely used at these hearings. In addition to these witnesses and so-called witnesses, our president, their president, our secretary of state, their foreign minister have all said no quid pro quo, no bribery, no extortion, nothing of the sort. And the document that's been released of the transcript proves the point. Even Vindman, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, who says, don't call me Mr. Vindman. Actually, we citizens can call you Mr. Vindman, Mr. Vindman. Even he has said, well, no, the president didn't commit any offenses as far as he can tell. Well, that's nice. This is from the transcript. I would like you to do us a favor, though, because our country's been through a lot and the Ukraine knows a lot about it. I would like you to find out what happened with this whole situation with Ukraine. They say CrowdStrike. I guess you have one of your wealthy people, the server. They say Ukraine has it. There are a lot of things that went on, the whole situation. I think you're surrounding yourself with some of the same people. I would like to have the attorney general call you or your people, and I would like you to get to the bottom of it. As you saw yesterday, that whole nonsense ended with a very poor performance by a man named Robert Mueller, an incompetent performance. But they say a lot of it started with Ukraine. Whatever you can do, it's very important that you do it if that's possible. The media, Anderson Cooper, all the rest. Hey, this is a conspiracy theory. Don't bother with it. None of the Democrats on the committee have wanted to look into this. Not one of them. What is the president talking about? Why is he so focused on 2016? Stick with me. Politico. Left wing, written by, among others, Kenneth Vogel, left wing so-called journalist. Ukraine efforts to sabotage Trump backfire. That's their headline. And this is from January 2017. Ukrainian government officials tried to help Hillary Clinton and undermine Trump by publicly questioning his fitness for office. They also disseminated documents implicating a top Trump aide in corruption and suggested they were investigating the matter only to back away after the election. And they helped Clinton's allies research damaging information on Trump and his advisors, a political investigation found. A Ukrainian-American operative who was consulting for the DNC met with top officials in the Ukrainian embassy in Washington in an effort to expose ties between Trump, top campaign aide Paul Manafort in Russia, according to people with direct knowledge of the situation. You had this witness, Fiona Hill, who dismissed all this, who dismissed all this. The Ukrainian efforts had an impact on the race, helping to force Manafort's resignation and advancing the narrative that Trump's campaign was deeply connected to Ukraine's foe to the East, Russia. It goes on later. Yet Politico's investigation found evidence of Ukrainian government involvement in the race that appears to strain diplomatic protocol, dictating the government's refrain from engaging in one another's elections. So it the Ukrainians, on. I'm live now, inter interfered. The Ukrainian corrupt regime interfered in our election on behalf of Hillary Clinton, the DNC, and Obama. And they received the assistance of the Clinton campaign, the DNC, and the Obama State Department. Mr. No Whistleblower, uh, he, uh, he met several times with this woman who, who is the, uh, the center of all this. Chalupa! Alexandra Chalupa! And uh, so Chalupa couldn't be called, the so-called whistleblower couldn't be called. Now, Vindman, he could be called, but when he was about to spill the beans, they cut him off. I've been reading a book about the impeachment of Andrew Johnson. I've read the transcript of the Senate testimony many, many years ago during the Clinton impeachment. And there were things about Johnson that were really problematic. 
even though he stuck with the Union in the North, he was chosen by uh, Lincoln as his running mate. Uh, he had some uh, racial, significant racial issues, which made uh, it very difficult post-Civil War after Lincoln was assassinated. But you had these very, very radical Republicans, too. They didn't like Johnson. He was a Democrat. And they didn't believe he was moving fast enough. He, quite frankly, he wasn't. But they, were, they really hung their hat on the, uh, the Tenure Act, in which Congress took it upon itself to decide that a president could not remove a cabinet secretary without the approval of Congress. There's a lot of this lawlessness going on today, a federal judge ruling today that a president's closest advisor on legal issues, White House counsel, passed, but nonetheless, doesn't change anything, uh, must comply with a subpoena by the House of Representatives. One day the history will be written, part by me, about all the abuses of power, the violations of the Constitution. I will name names in the House, in the Senate, in the media, and on the judiciary. And with any luck, that will be the history that they'll read 100 years from now. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. You know, uh, the House of Representatives, the Republicans in the House, overwhelmingly voted to impeach Johnson. In fact, for a year, they had made it clear they were going to impeach Johnson. It was just a matter of figuring out on what basis. And that's, of course, what's been happening to Donald Trump. The Republicans had a significant majority in the Senate, too, and the impeachment moves to a trial in the Senate. You can see the charges. You can just bing them yourself or duck-duck them yourself. Google. So, if you will. Eleven charges. Senate begins its trial. It's extremely biased. In fact, Johnson can't call the witnesses he wants to call. And so they, uh, there's 11 counts, and they try the first three. The first two go down to defeat. The third one goes down to defeat by one vote. Then the Senate adjourns, Mr. Producer. And you know what it did when it came back? It didn't take up the other eight. It dropped them. Mitch McConnell's not up to the task. He's not up to the task. He's just not. And what's being done to Donald Trump is a hundred times worse than what was done to uh, Andrew Johnson, which was bad enough. Which was bad enough. I want to tell you about... uh, this, uh, this socialist health care stuff. Looks like Nancy Pelosi's uh, socialist health care bill is on life support in the House. But Chuck Grassley, his socialist health care plan is still very much alive in the Senate. I'm going to stay on this because we need to stay on this. The Republicans are playing games. The Democrats are full speed ahead. These price controls that are pushed by both parties with different names will destroy the, the uh, innovation, the production of new drugs for horrific diseases. Uh, We'll just become another throwback country that rations health care, rations medicine, at the same time drives up the price. That's what happened. 
It's time to pull the plug on the Grassley Wyden bill, too, as well as the Nancy Pelosi. Just another crazy socialist fantasy. Please get the facts. Go to truehealthcarefacts.com, truehealthcarefacts.com. That's truehealthcarefacts.com. Matter of fact, go to do it during the break. Powerful hour left. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I've been talking about the need to really take it to these phony so-called moderate Democrats who won these Republicans slash Trump districts because they lied to the voters there. They lied through their teeth that they weren't going to vote for Pelosi and they wouldn't participate in stuff like impeachment. But now the information's overwhelming, ladies and gentlemen. They have no choice. And the president's pounding them with ads. Other groups are pounding them with ads. And we have the voters in these districts to thank for what they're putting this country through. And Politico has a piece on this. Vulnerable Democrats are watching in horror as GOP impeachment attacks deluge their districts back home. And they want a much stronger counteroffensive from their own party and its allies. Some of those Democrats raised their concerns with party leaders this week as they prepared to leave for Thanksgiving recess, fearing that voters will be bombarded by anti-impeachment ads as families gather around the TV for parades and football, according to multiple lawmakers and aides. GOP-aligned outside groups have spent roughly $8 million on TV spots this cycle in battleground districts, such as Representative Andy Bredisi's central New York seat. The vast majority of those ads specifically hammered Democrats over impeachment. Meanwhile, and by the way, impeachment is unpopular in the country. It's getting more unpopular in the country. It is unpopular with independence in the country. And now they're going to move from the House Intelligence Committee is going to write this, this Soviet-style report and then turn it over to Nadler and his committee, which even makes the House Intelligence Committee look uh, less Trotskyite and a little bit more Stalinist. Meanwhile, swing district Democrats are receiving little reinforcement from their own party or even other liberal coalitions. Democratic and pro-impeachment groups have spent about $2.7 million in TV ads, according to analysis of spending by the ad-tracking firm Advertising Analytics. And more than 600000 of that total went to ads targeting Republican incumbents, not helping vulnerable Democratic members. Many of us have been expressing our concerns to leadership, said a Democratic lawmaker, Weasel, who declined to be named in order to speak candidly about strategy. You don't want to have to play catch-up. You're a weasel. You're going to play catch-up. All you clowns that went to Republicans and said, you know, I'm I'm not like Pelosi. You are Pelosi. You're all Pelosi. Everyone knows you don't just take a shot and sit there, the lawmaker said. 
It's like someone taped our arms to our side and punched us in the face. Some Democrats raised the spending disparity during a closed meeting with Speaker Pelosi and her leadership team on Wednesday. One moderate Democrat asked the party officials, plan to launch more at They don't understand. I When all these other talk show hosts were sucked into this, and they'll deny it or they won't talk about it. Nancy Pelosi's having to hold back the AOC wing, and Nancy Pelosi doesn't want impeachment. What did I tell you? Yes, she does. She's just using the hard left to get there, but she does want impeachment because she's part of of this leftist ideology. She's not a moderate, and you even had talk shows hosts taken into this. Democrat-aligned groups, however, have begun spending on ads. Last week, the liberal coalition Protect Our Care, well, why didn't they go after Obama, launched a $2 million digital ad campaign to promote a Democratic drug pricing bill. Oh, that'll work with their digital ad campaign. But GOP groups are devoting far more cash including a roughly $5 million buy on anti-impeachment TV ads across 18 Democratic districts by American Action Network, a nonprofit tied to House GOP leadership. I'm telling you something. My opinion can change depending on what they do. But this House leadership with McCarthy and Scalise and Cheney, they are tough. I'm very impressed. I know you're shocked. I'm very impressed. You don't see that out of the Senate. And this guy, Blunt, where the hell is he? And Cornyn. Oh, my God. How'd they ever get elected? It's uncommon to see such enormous spending more than a year out from an election, marking a significant ramp up in the public battle to shape the politics of impeachment. No. The president and his team are taking it to these people. That's what you must do. And there are more, a pro-Trump group called Presidential Coalition, backed by conservative force Citizens United. That's our buddy Bossy. Now it's this week, it's spending more than a million dollars on TV ads in di- districts. Uh, Brindisi, Joe Cunningham in South Carolina, Ben McAdams in Utah, Elisa Slotkin in Michigan, and I can't even pronounce this name, in New Mexico. Then there's the big spending by Trump's re-election team, which announced $10 million in spending on TV and digital ads just days after House Democrats formally declared their impeachment inquiry in September. Hey, look. They have Steyer, they have Soros, they have more billionaires spending more money than conservatives and Republicans do. You got the Koch brothers out, well, just one now. Charles Koch out there. Pissing his money away on stupid stuff. He opened borders for all. Where does he live? Kansas. Well, maybe he ought to move to McAllen, Texas. We need to open our prisons. Prisons. We need to open our prisons. Really? Where does he live? Kansas. Well, maybe he ought to move to Camden, New Jersey. Asked about the largely unanswered onslaught of GOP attack ads, most Democratic moderates publicly dismiss concerns with the party strategy. Well then, you clowns, you 31, a significant number of you are going to pay a price. Come election day, I will be n- mentioning you repeatedly. 
In your districts, there are more Republicans than Democrats. And yet you won, claiming to be moderates. Now you will lose, hopefully. And you did it to yourselves. You followed Adam Schiff. You followed Nancy Pelosi. You followed the most radical members of your caucus. Then they're going to follow Nadler. Pelosi, San Francisco. Schiff, L.A. Nadler, New York. Cities I love. Liberals I detest. You know, San Francisco was a beautiful city, Mr. Purdue. Had you ever been to San Francisco, Rich? Ten years ago, well, you missed all the human fecal matter. Although it was starting, I must say. Now they have ten homes and everything else. This is called progressivism. When it's actually regressivism. Los Angeles was a fantastic city. Now look at the Democrats running it. Running right into the toilet. New York. Rudy had it up and coming, so now they want to put Rudy in prison and the Camio runs the place. The Camio undermines the cops. And so violence is up. The subways. You see what's going on in the subways in New York, Rich? Yeah. Disgusting and scary. Hey, public transportation, everybody. What do you think of public transportation? And uh, well, we'll save the globe and we won't have climate change anymore. We'll all have public... You know what? On that point, may I... Uh, Point of personal privilege. So I used to live in what was a Republican county called Loudoun County, Virginia. I dragged the whole family out here. Why? To get away from liberals. Beautiful, what do they call it? Outer suburb. Next thing I know, the Republican Board of Supervisors, by one vote, Folks, to extend the subway all the way out. We're like 38 miles away from one. Ooh, we're going to extend the subway. Now, this is a subway system that never works right. We don't have enough money to maintain it. But let's expand it. I mean, that's your typical left, right? Build a subway. Then they want to turn two-lane roads into four lanes. Four-lane roads into six lanes. And we need overpasses and underpasses and this pass and that pass. And we, and we need the developer. Oh, the developers. Most of them are Republicans. They want you and me to pay for everything. Then we have this area called Tyson's Corner, Virginia. Many of you may have heard of it. It was a fairly heavily populated. Then they build apartments and apartments. They say, hey, you know what? More apartments. And they got subway lines up and down and all that. Turn it. It's ugly as hell now. Ugly as hell. And apartments all over the place. So the liberal clowns in these surrounding areas move into the apartments so they can enjoy the tax rates while they vote to increase taxes for Democrats. You have a county called Fairfax County. When I lived in Fairfax, I've lived in this state for the better part of 40 years. Fairfax County was a Republican county. Loudoun County was a bright red. Prince William County. Okay, we're yawning, Mark. I'm telling you. These were the outside counties, outside of Washington, in Virginia. The only one that was blue, and it wasn't even that dark blue, was a place called Arlington County in Alexandria. So what happened? Massive increase in government spending. 
massive migration of American citizens. We call them liberals from blue states in the blue district of Columbia into the Virginia suburbs. You know what? Uh, These taxes and regulations are killing us. Let's go to Virginia and screw it up. I call them locusts. And then, of course, immigration. 50 years of basically unstoppable immigration. Illegal, legal. Illegal aliens have kids here. They become of age. They vote. 75 to 80% voting Democrat. And so the state's gone. Geographically, it's a relatively small area. Then there's the rest of the state, out, except for Richmond and a few other areas. It's Republican. But the state's destroyed. A mixture of these Republican developers with the subway and the apartment buildings and all, you know, people just uh, transients, many respects. And immigration. That's why the Democrats will never seal the border. They'll never support any money for a border wall. I'd say 10 years ago or so, I was on top of this issue when some of our friends, big friends in the media were, well, I don't know about this. Uh, they get calls from uh, President Bush, George W., or they get calls from uh, Rove. Rove never called me. I never could stand the guy. And they were on the fence on this. People don't remember, do they, Rich? They were on the fence. And this gang of A came thinking they were on the fence. Those guys, they were on the almost all conservatives and talk radio early on were on the fence. But moi, but me, why? Because I studied the issue. I study, I read, that's what I do. Mark, what do you do for a hobby? I read. Oh, come on. Don't you drink? I mean, no, I don't, actually. And you could see it. And I wrote about it in Men in Black which came out in 2005, how the court perverted the immigration. 2005. And then I expanded on the history of it in Liberty and Tyranny, 2009. But I've been talking about it for year after year after year. When Marco Rubio came to me and some of the big talkers were rather sympathetic, I let him say what he had to say. And I said, no. No way. Anyway, this is Virginia now. Could be Texas tomorrow. Could be Florida. And that's the end of that. It's the end of that. The difference between Nancy Pelosi and Aach. Of course, there's no difference between the two. But you get my point. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. can't get into my call screen with my modern technology. My computer doesn't work. I'm going to burn down the bunker. Uh, who shall I speak to, Mr. Producer? Our buddy Don from Lake Ron Kankama, WABC. How are you, sir? He fell off? Oh, my Lord. I gave hell of an intro there. Elaine, WABC. How are you, Elaine? Uh, question is, would it be advisable or possible for the attorney general to start a leak investigation with respect to that phone call? I mean, wasn't that classified information? Uh, between us, I suspect there is one already. Oh, okay. 
but right. you'd think they'd be able to find the person by now. I'm not going yeah. to say, and I don't want you to say, but I have two people in mind. Don't you? Okay. I have two people in mind. Two. Two. Who are you thinking? I can't tell. <laughs> but it's very, I, uh, I think it's obvious. Anyway, so the other night you were yes, asking yes. for people to uh, recommend who should be um, called to testify in the Senate. Yes. I gave that up. Did it any- was getting too stupid. But anyway, go ahead. Oh, anyway. Okay. So did anyone say John Kerry? No. Yeah. Tell us why. How about that guy? Well, you know, he was Secretary of State, right, when this was happening in Ukraine. And, and isn't his, um, not his son-in-law, stepson? Yes, his stepson, Heinz, uh, was involved in one of these deals, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what, you know, when the vice president made that announcement about how he stopped the investigation? Yes. Isn't that interfering with... Listen, I think there you have your your, uh, quid pro quo. I mean, if that's not a quid pro quo, then what the hell is? That's unbelievable. Look, you either drop that investigation or I'm not giving you the aid. They drop it, he gives them the aid. Isn't that like the dictionary definition? Of extortion, maybe. Well, it's definitely quid pro quo. I say we extortion, quid pro quo bribery. (laughs) Treason. All right, Elaine, thank you for your excellent call. Don, are there any fish in Lake... (laughs) Is there any fish in Lake Ron Conkerman? <laughs> Gee, I don't know. I never go over there. How you doing, Mark? It's I definitely wouldn't eat any of them. I'm <laughs> no. doing great. How are you, buddy? I'm doing really good. Listen, uh, on Life, Liberty, and Levin last night, you, you went <laughs> on how this impeachment inquiry is... Uh, By the way, Don, I tried to make the comprehensive case against what was going on. What Did I do okay, sir? You don't have to say yes. No, you did exactly right. It was, it's an attack on our Constitution, the whole thing. Yes. I think we have to have a new term that has to enter our political lexicon, and that's shipism. And it's uh, for ignoring and... Well, look, if you have a lisp, you might say the wrong word. (laughs) Well, it's for lying and slander and ignoring the Constitution and perpetrating a fraud on the American people would cover quite a few categories. How about if we exchange exchange the word hemorrhoid for shift? There you go. My God, I can't sit down. I have a shift. (laughs) <laughs> you know, he, uh, Adam Schiff was on Meet the Press, and despite Can I get your Schiff of, removed, uh, you know, surgically. <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry. the lack of evidence yes. during this inquiry, yes. Schiff continues this impeachment investigation. Yes. And he believes the hearings uh, brought about... Uh, Gotta go. Thanks, buddy. Took it as far as I could. Judy, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Go. Oh, hi, Mark. How are you? I'm I hearing wasn't... ringing in my ears. Sorry, what? Yes. Go right ahead. That's I'm your sorry. phone. That's... Yes. Yeah, that's going to stop. It's going to stop. Mark, um, I want to tell you something. You had one of the best guests on last night. It was a man called Mark Levin. Oh, thank you. <laughs> the best. You liked the I show last night? Great. It was great. I loved it. It was just so fabulous. And you know what? It's so sad. What's going on today, everywhere you turn, there are so many lies. Like You can't keep up with all the lies. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. The only innocent guy around is President Trump, you know? Yeah. And Rudy, I trust President Trump. I trust Rudy Giuliani. Mm-hmm. And guess what? 
President Trump trusts Rudy Giuliani. He knows that guy's not going to stab him in the back like everybody else tries to do. You're right. I'm calling about, I'm calling about um, you know, these impeachment smearings. So there was this uh, big mouth Fiona Hill, okay, with her she, British She was and, strange. Yes, you know, uh, sounded a little bit like mo- one of the Monty Python players. <laughs> she didn't stop yapping. And mm-hmm. she's talking away and whatever. And basically, by the way, that's one for my wife. She's the one who said that. Go ahead. Yeah, I, you know, I believe she testified to a total lie under oath, and I think she knew it. She was trying to convince everyone, no, 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 it's not Ukraine. Interference is only Russian. Meanwhile, Congressman Lee Zeldin, he said, yes, there was interference in Russia, but there definitely was also interference in Ukraine. And you know, keep in mind that Fiona Hill. Number one, she used to work for George Soros Open Society, which mm. is interesting. I didn't Number know two, that. Yes, yes. Mm. Before she, well, she worked for the administration. She worked for George Soros Open Society, which is a red flag for me. And then yeah. Burisma, she, she, she's represented by a company now, a firm, law firm, that also has Burisma Gas Company as another client, too. Like, you know, too many red flags here with Fiona Hill. Mm-hmm. And do you, think she, do you think she perjured herself? Mark. Well, I can't get into that, and I'm not comfortable getting sued for defamation. Oh, really? All right, Judy. I'm going to plow ahead here. Raj, Vienna, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Yes, sir. You're well, on, first, baby. You put a very strong emphasis on 2020 in November, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but put that same focus on one thing, removing the chair of the Intelligence Committee, and Nadler. Mm-hmm. And have that focus when they go home, when they come back, and if that is not successful, or if Nancy Pelosi doesn't do that, declare the Speaker vacant. Because <laughs> well, I can speaker. declare whatever I want. I can declare the moon any clear, but that doesn't change anything. No, but at least bring it... As an issue, it's not important. Sir, Raj, we have so many issues. I don't need to create any issues. We have a thousand issues to deal with. My saying that doesn't move anything anywhere to any place. Wow, the chair's vacant for the speaker. Oh, there's Mark. Good, good, Mark. It just just doesn't do anything. Thank you, sir. Let's keep moving. I don't mean to offend. It's just, do we need more issues, Mr. Producer? I don't think so. We need to fight the real issues with these people. Let's go to Matthew in Arroyo Grande, California, Sirius Satellite. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for taking my call. You know, I I lived in Fairfax County many years ago. I graduated high school there in uh, 1983. Mm -hmm. And I've been back a couple of times, once when we buried my dad at Arlington, and then I went back Mm -hmm. here most recently in August for a... um, a military course at Fort Belvoir. And I, when you were talking about the changes in the Tyson's Corner area and everything, uh, boy, that really struck a chord with me because I was, I was flabbergasted yep. at how, how much it's changed. Um, and, and yes, it's, the demographics have changed dramatically. So to give you an example, in the summer of 84, I got a summer job doing landscape work. And it was just white guys and black guys on the crew. There were no Hispanic workers at that time. By the way, now now that you mention that, and this has nothing to do with racism or anything, 
there are tons of guys landscaping around here. I never see a white guy. I don't call white guys. I understand there's many of you out there. There really are, but I don't see them. Well, no, the, I, I worked in that industry for a long time. And I don't see any uh, black guys either, for that matter, to be honest with you. I, I'm, again, it's not a race thing with me. I see or talk to a lot of Hispanic guys. They're very nice guys, by the way. And by the way, they're all guys. I don't see any women. And you know what? You're a sexist. And I'm telling you what I see. Go ahead. Yeah, well, there were some women, actually, when I was there. But, you know, the, the demography of that whole industry has been changed. And, it's, yes. no, you're right. It's not about a race thing. And many of the guys that are doing it now are, are good Well, guys. don't the liberals always say, well, then who's going to cut your lawn? They're the ones who say that. Who's going to pick right. your lettuce? Well, I don't like lettuce. Right. Well, I've cut more lawns than Adam Schiff. Yeah, we guarantee you that. I cut more lawns than Adam Schiff issues subpoenas. All right, Matthew, thanks for your call, my friend. From Yahoo News, from the Yahoos, which basically are aggregators, AFP, Trump impeachment report could drop next week. The Trump impeachment report could drop next week. Now, what does that tell you? They wrote this report a long time ago. They're just editing it. They're adding stuff in from testimony and so forth. They wrote this report a long time ago. This is such a hack job. And the media, like, oh, this is uh, quite compelling. We have never seen this in our lifetimes here, says 14-year-old Chuck Todd. Rosemarie, Long Island, New York, the great WABC. Go. Mark, I just want to say now I know why they call you the great one. Last hmm. night's show was phenomenal. You say that, you think you do. It was phenomenal. You explained oh, thank what you. is taking place to the T, and I want to thank you for taking the time to explain that corrupt and disruptive process. Well, okay. thank you. Well done. Have a Pre- very nice uh, Thanksgiving. You walk. too. I appreciate that. I will be off Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Wednesday's a travel day. Thursday, they call it Thanksgiving. Friday, they call it Friday. They call it Black Friday, don't they, Mr. Isn't that where everybody runs to the stores? Are people nuts? Just go the next day. Wait a minute, I get 12 cents back at McDonald's. And I predict that one day the phrase Black Friday will come under attack. Because, again, the, the, the nutty left will interpret that as something that it's not. I'm not kidding. It'll offend one person, usually a liberal white professor. You know what? This whole thing is, okay, 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 we'll stop. Because our corporations are so brave. Uh, let's see. How about Mike? Fargo, North Dakota, the flag. WZFG, our great affiliate. Go. Hey, Mark. How are you? Mm, pretty good. You? Good. So after 20 years of living in Minnesota, Minnesota. we had to leave. Really? We had to leave. Yeah, I ran from the liberals originally in New Jersey, and I had to run again from the liberals in Minnesota. Better keep your car filled up. You're going to be running a lot. I'm telling you, its next stop is either Wyoming or Mars. I don't know. But Mm. our six-year-old was coming home from kindergarten asking us why we were not voting for Hillary Clinton. Oh, God. See? And at that point, I knew all objectivity in the schools. It was gone. It, It was done. It was over. Mm-hmm. But what I wanted to talk to you about tonight is that the district we lived in was a southern suburb of Minneapolis that Jason Lewis had represented. Mm-hmm. 
the district went for Trump. It was a razor-thin margin, and a woman by the name of Angie Craig um, ousted Jason Lewis, who is a conservative commentator. Oh, I know who he is. He's a libertarian. Yep. Yep. But um, I have a feeling come uh, next year she's going to be getting the boot. What you were talking about tonight, it is just a... Uh, She's another fraud. You know what? I, I could never see myself voting for Nancy Pelosi. They do. You know what? We need to get down to the people's business and bipartisanship. They're liars. They're li- they believe in party. Party. Like Mar- good little Marxists. It's party first. Everything else second because the party's what gives you power. Look what's going on in Hong Kong right now. 90% vote for the democracy movement in these districts. 90% vote. And what is Xi's response? You better watch it. Yeah, because he's going to crush them. And I'm not happy with our country's response either, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, we criticize these other countries for being extremists, but, you know, this liberal plague that has taken over our schools, Mm. starting, no, there's a lot of good teachers out there, but the teachers' unions, I got to tell you, they're not high on my list. And they keep those charter schools out for a reason. And the reason why they keep them out is because they want the brainwashing all to themselves. And this is what we have to show for it 20 years later. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. And it's a shame. It's a shame. It really is. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. We'll be right back. Mark in. You know, I want to talk to you about an organization. Sponsor this program. Fantastic organization. Doing important work on college campuses all around the country. In only seven years, Charlie Kirk, a real star, young guy, and his team at Turning Point USA have created a conservative grassroots force, organizing and training students at nearly 1,500 colleges. Over a quarter of a million students. Now, part of that work includes getting students out to vote in this election and beyond. Now, I love Turning Point because they're making a real difference. And with your support, they'll make a bigger difference. In fact, they'll train up an own army of conservatives to take the fight to campus radicals everywhere. Now, I say I love Turning Point because they make a real difference. And another reason is they play offense, not defense. And it's working. That's why I'm urging you to support Turning Point. They're winning, but they need your support to ensure conservative values are represented on every college campus in America. When you support them, your gift is matched, matched thanks to the generosity of several donors. So please consider supporting Turning Point, which is working tirelessly on college campuses to preserve the belief in limited government, freedom, free markets for the next generation of conservatives. It's very simple. Here's what you do. At least check them out, please. Go to markforturningpoint.com, markforturningpoint.com. If you give them support, it'll be doubled, doubled, now through mid-December. That's markforturningpoint.com, markforturningpoint.com. Deanna, Los Angeles, California, 870 The Answer, the great KRLA. Go. Mark. Your yeah. show was awesome last night. Thank you. And I love... By, by the way, I'm not fishing for it. I'm just, you know, I do different you know, variety of shows, different guests. I'm just curious what my radio audience thinks. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, it's always awesome. But okay. uh, 
And I loved the Mr. Levin uh, name. The beginning? Yes, that was awesome. Awesome. Anyways, I wanted to tell you briefly, I was shopping. I'm in uh, Brentwood, California, and I was shopping today. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the produce aisle, and I hear this lovely voice. It mm. was your voice. Oh, jeez. And okay. I was looking around, and then I said, that's Mark Levin. And a lady who was shopping on the other side of the aisle was listening to you on her speakerphone. She was listening to the radio. It wasn't my uh, mother-in-law, was it? I don't think so. She does this. She lives in New Jersey. I'm just kidding. She's like in your face with my show. It's hilarious. It was awesome. And I went up to her, of course, and I said, that's Mark Levin. And she said, yes. And uh, we had a wonderful, we sat for about 45 minutes, and uh, yeah. Did you, did you sit in the wine section? You know, the wine section was close by, but no, it yes. was the produce section. Oh. Yes. But you are awesome. And well, thank you. you have, you're brilliant, and just uh, keep it up. I'm so grateful for your voice, and Charlie Kirk, and Dennis Prager, and all of yep. them. Are I'll tell you what, amazing. don't hang up. I'm going to give you two things. I'm going to give you a signed Unfreedom of the Press. Do we have any of those left, Mr. Producer? We need more autographs? All right, remind me. I'll send some in. And also, uh, one year of Levin TV on the Beck Network. Okay, so don't hang up, Deanna. I want to get you that for Thanksgiving. You're such a nice lady. People who are willing to play my show out loud and talk to each other about it in the public square, man, that's cool. I thought only Sylvia did that. Sylvia Strauss. But no, apparently other people do it too. Let's continue. Let's go to Chad, Indianapolis, Indiana, the great WFDM. Go. Hey, Mark. Yes, Just sir. wanted to thank you for what you do. Say, wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Um, you too, buddy. Thank and, you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're woke. Our eyes are open. We see what's going on with everything behind the scenes that the Democrats are doing. I think they're running so scared because of what they did in Ukraine. They know it's coming to light. And uh, it makes me think of instruction, correction, and rebuke. You are a rebuke to these lies and this insanity. And I want to encourage your listeners at Thanksgiving. I know it needs to be a time of family and fellowship, but we also need to stand up. And these young kids that are going to college. Are you saying on Thanksgiving, screw the bastards? Is that what you're trying to say, sir? <clears throat> no, I'm saying we need to start opening the eyes of this oh. generation that's been brainwashed and is buying these lies. Um, I well, why don't we start at the dinner table and say something like, you know where this turkey comes from? Yeah. Doesn't come from the government. So here's I'm quite, I don't know, I'm quite serious. You know how many steps are taken to provide this food on our table? People raising it? Take a $20 bill, make it into fives. Say, look, I know it's hard going to school. I know times are tough. Here's $20. But then say, wait a minute. If you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, I need to take three, th- three of those fives and give them to your nephews because they don't have anything. If they're any of the other supporters, take that $20, give them a five, give one other five to a niece or nephew. I'm already confused. <laughs> Honestly, that's what I, I, w- I would say. See the turkey, and I go through all the steps, all the steps of capitalism that bring us a turkey. And the reason people do it, not because the government tells them to do it, not because the government redistributes wealth. If we did that, we'd starve to death because they can make some money. It's called capitalism. Thanks. Excellent call, Chad. Seriously.
Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, all you protect us. And you know what? Tomorrow I want to talk about the 38 police officers who have been murdered in cold blood in this country, as well as others and other things. See you then. Be safe. Bye-bye. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.